Yo, what's going on, people? Thank you for being here and welcome to the Obsessible Podcast. I love talking about movies and TV. Like, seriously, it's probably my favorite subject. And on Obsessible, I'm hoping to educate you while I entertain you, while I talk about all the things that I am currently obsessed with. So each episode, we're going to talk about something that I might have seen, what I'm currently watching, things that I might highly recommend, and sometimes, in my opinion, things I think that you should just skip. Don't even waste your time. Don't waste your viewing your viewing currency. Do not hit play. Just keep, respect your time and miss it, okay? There will be those moments because it doesn't happen all the time, but it does definitely happen. And obviously, I'm going to talk about the things that I'm excited to see. And that will definitely be for TV shows as well as for movies. We're also going to talk about what's happening in the film and television industry, what's going on in Hollywood. That's what the name is of the segment is, what's happening in Hollywood. Because, you know, things are always changing. And there's always some sort of drama, even especially now, with just the state of the world and commentaries on social justice and equality and all of these conversations are currently being had. And so that's making for a lot of changes in the industry. And so I'm hoping that you'll come here, you'll catch a little bit of tea, you'll sip it, you'll be like, sis, that was piping hot. That was good tea. And um, hoping that you learn a little bit of something. We're also going to talk about how things happen on a show or on a film production in a segment called How That Happened. And what I'll be doing is I'll be interviewing creatives and crew about their specific aspects of a production and how those aspects are used to help tell the story. Last but not least, we'll have story time. That's where I'm going to be narrating for your listening pleasure, excerpts from my current writing projects. Um, So like I just kind of fell into writing a book this year. It was not in the cards and I had not planned it at all. And, you know, if God had been like, yeah, I want you to write a book, I'd have been like, who? Me? I know he ain't finna talk to me. I know he is not talking to me. Um, But that is exactly what has happened. I've started writing a book. Um, So I'm going to narrate a little bit of it for you. It is uh, currently in the fantasy genre. Um, It is an interesting story and I'm actually having a really good time doing it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And um, I'm also publishing it on my Instagram. Um, So that's been a unique and interesting experience. Talk about throwing yourself off of a cliff into something that you've never done before. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I should really think these things through the next time I do them. But in any case, I'm your host. My name is Nicole. My friends call me Nikki. And since you're here listening, I now consider you a friend. So you can call me Nikki too. And this is Obsessible. Welcome. All right. So since now you know what the podcast is all about, let's jump into our first segment. Oh, isn't that the one where the guy becomes limitless? Oh, isn't that the one where the guy becomes limitless? Yes, yes, it's that's the one. <laughs> but not for our intensive purposes. <laughs> this is what was up, what's up now, and what's up next in TV and in film. The first show that I'm going to talk to you about I just actually finished watching it not too long ago. I'm actually looking for my remote remote because I need some visual cues here. I cannot seem to find it. What in the name? See, now, if I had just hollered for Alexa, I'm sure Alexa would have just, you know, taken care of it. But we're not going to do that. The first show that's up is called The Irregulars. So The Irregulars is actually 
on Netflix. It's currently airing and it is about eight episodes in length, I believe. And it features a group of misfits called the Baker Street Irregulars. And these characters were featured in the, uh, in multiple stories, um, by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, um, based on his characters, Sherlock Holmes and Watson. And they help Sherlock and Watson solve mysteries. But this particular show focuses on the Irregulars, um, with kind of like Holmes and Watson adjacent, I mean, Watson is more the prevalent character that we see throughout the show because there's Holmes kind of is this like shadowy figure that we don't really know what's going on with him. We know something is going on with him, but we just don't know what. And then Watson is kind of very disagreeable and curmudgeonly and not really likable in the beginning when we first meet him. So as the show kind of continues, you start to see that there is this, uh, like almost mistrust that is going on between, um, the Irregulars and Watson. And the Irregulars are led by this very badass female character. Her name is B and her group little family that she's cultivated. She keeps everybody kind of in line, keeps them all together and kind of helps them survive the mean Victorian streets of London. Um, B has a sister. Her name is Jess and Jess is definitely gifted. Now it's Jess that Watson is really after and he really wants to use Jess to help him solve these crimes that the, the police and Scotland Yard kind of veer away from. They kind of stay away from these um, um, these types of mysteries because they don't, they're out of their depth. And so um, reaching out to Jess is a way for them to use her, uh, to solve these, these crimes. Now, Jess, uh, as it is figured out as the story unfolds is like a psychic and she's able to like figure things out about people simply by touching them. But there's something more sinister happening, um, in Victorian London. There is a, what is called a rip and that rip is causing regular people um, who are seeking redemption in some cases, revenge in others, um, hope in some um, to gain power. But these powers are warping and twisting these people. And so their initial intention might have been, you know, to, you know, in one instance, it's like find a child, but it totally warps the character and makes them start doing these horrible things. And as a result, people are dying. And so uh, Watson enlists B and her ragtag band of uh, of investigators to help him solve these unsolvable crimes. So far, so good. I mean, I would say that I actually really enjoyed the show, but it was incredibly predictable. And I guess... Maybe for just, you know, the average viewer, it might not be that predictable. But for me, it's hard for me to get through story these days and not be able to like literally be writing it as I'm watching it. Like I'll be like sitting there like, okay, B just did that. All right. Now she's going to say this. Right. Okay. Now he's going to do that. And now that, and yeah, so basically this is where I am. That doesn't mean that things are not fun for me anymore. It just means that I'm not really surprised most of the time when things happen when I'm watching movies and television. I've just, it, it, it takes a lot to surprise me. So when I am surprised, I'm literally like, whoa, holy crap, I did not see that coming. But I definitely have a lot of fun with it still. And I did really enjoy um, 
the show. Um, I knew what the plot test was going to be in the end and it happened exactly as I expected it to happen. Um, there is an unrequited love story and saw that coming too. Um, but I think that the most enjoyable part of the show was the supernatural aspects of it. I really liked that they grounded it in something that was myth mythological, fantastical. Um, that made it way more interesting uh, because typically when we see those types of fantastical elements in Sherlock and Watson's stories, um, they're not actually fantastical. Uh, Sherlock often debunks all of these mysteries and proves to the world how this uh, incredible thing that happened was really very average and very, very normal. So keeping the fantastical fantastical was actually something that I really enjoyed. They threw money at this project. Uh, it definitely had a budget and um, I could definitely appreciate that. The special effects were really amazing. The costume was really well done. Um, and uh, overall, I would definitely say watch. So that was definitely um, worth it. That was worth it. So like I said, Netflix, The Irregulars, and that was what was up. So in terms of what's up now, there's another show taking place, Victoria and London. And this particular show airs on HBO Max in the States and Crave in Canada. I'm based in Toronto. Like, so all of the thumb, all of the film and the television shows and the movies that I watch are based in streaming services that I can access here in Canada. But I'm going to do my very best to make sure that you guys, depending on no matter where you are in the world, you'll know where you can access and find these shows so that you can watch them too. So this show, it's called The Nevers and it was written and created by Joss Whedon. And I know for some of you, that might be like a... Uh, <laughs> moment, right? Because he's kind of on the outs. He's a little bit on canceled culture right now, um, which I don't necessarily agree with cancel culture, but that's a whole other show, a whole other episode. We're not going to talk about that. But nonetheless, this is Joss Whedon's baby. And although right now, a little bit of tea for y'all, he has stepped away from the show and HBO couldn't really go into fully promoting the show in the way that they wanted to because of all the drama that's happened around Joss lately um, and the revelations about his his behavior on his sets um, and how he has acted, had, how he's behaved with his colleagues has been extremely damaging. Um, I'm still hoping that this show will do well because it's very interesting. It's female-centered. We have Laura Donnelly, who is an absolute favorite character, um, actor of mine, because she is in a show that I love, 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 called Outlander. Now, if y'all know, <laughs> Outlander is one of those shows that can really fly under the radar. Like a lot of people, even though I talk about it so much, like in my personal life, I talk about it all the time. I tweet about it. I'm Instagramming about it. And I'm always, always, always talking about it. But a lot of people don't know about Out Outlander. And it is a Star uh, Star's original program. And it is an adaptation of uh, a book by Diana Galbadon. I'm, I'm so sorry if I butchered her last name. But yes, uh, it's an adaptation and it's amazing. And Laura Donnelly in Outlander plays um, the main actor... Uh, Sam Hewen's sister, Jenny Frazier. And uh, Jenny Frazier turned Murray. 
and she's amazing in that show. She's actually one of my uh, favorite characters and she's, she's tough. She is friendly. She is, she's got a big heart, um, in the show Outlander and she, it's just, I feel like it's more of the same. So we have two episodes of the Nevers that are out currently started about three weeks ago now. So we should get episode three on this Monday. By the time you guys listen to this, episode three will have already dropped. Um, so if you haven't started watching the Nevers, you'll have an opportunity to do so. So let me just give you a little bit of backstory because I'm two episodes in and I'm finding it super interesting and very entertaining and it's becoming must watch TV. So just to give you a little bit of background on me, I am a big, 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 huge, monstrous fan of fantasy. Fantasy, science fiction, and mythology. Those are my top three. If I have to choose to watch something on TV or to watch a movie, I'm going to choose fantasy, science fiction, or mythology. Anything within that realm, I'm into it. So um, of all the things that usually pop up, especially in big budget productions, I'm I'm definitely going to be reaching for something like that. And The Nevers does not disappoint in this regard. It is a bit of a mix of both science fiction and fantasy because what we have is an unexplained event that has provided uh, select members of Victorian era London with powers. Now, most of the people who have powers are women. And so they feel like this is this uh, type of female um, affliction, <laughs> if you will, considering the time when, you know, this is a, th- this is happening at a time when women don't own anything, have no rights, don't even want people to talk like, unless you're rich and widowed, um, <laughs> you, you, none of these men want to hear nothing from you. So, um, it's interesting to have that played against, you know, a time when women have no rights, have no power, cannot own property and all of this. But then you have all of these very powerful women who now can do things that the rest of the population can't. Like I said, it's not just women, but it is primarily women. And the focus of the show is on the women who are what the show calls the touched. Um, so we have Laura Donnelly coming in as Amalia True, that is the name of her character, and she is basically here to help these women who have been touched by this unexplained event that took place about 18 months prior uh, to the events of the show as, as it starts in episode one. We have a bunch of different characters. We're not really sure what the motivations are of some, and I'm sure we're going to learn uh, what those are as the show continues. But so far, the characters that we have met, um, Amalia True, her sidekick, and all the other women who help um, Laura Donnelly's character to assist the touched and afflicted women, um, they do their best, but there is danger. And we don't necessarily know where fully where that danger is coming from, but we we have a pretty good idea. I'm sure there's going to be some gotchas and some surprises that will happen in the next couple of, as the season unfolds, but it is definitely giving what it needs to give right now. And I would definitely suggest that you watch it. So that's what's up now. What's up next? As of yesterday, so today is Saturday April 24th, as of Friday, April 23rd, Netflix dropped another fantasy adaptation called Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone um, is an adaptation of a series of novels by Lee Bardugo, and 
Those books were initially first published in 2012. There are, I believe, three books in the series. And the first, uh, this first season is based on um, Siege and, no, 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 the Grisha Trilogy. The Grisha Trilogy is what this one is first based on. And the cast seems amazing. I have not actually started this show yet. So this is what's up next for me. I'm going to be diving into that probably today. So by the time that you guys listen to this podcast, I will have probably streamed <laughs> the entire thing. Um, so in, up, in subsequent podcasts, this show, Shadow and Bone, will now become what was up and <laughs> not what's up next while I talk about it and give you guys a little bit of back um, uh, history in what's happening in the show and let you know whether or not something to watch. I will say that I've already been getting feedback um, from friends who have started the show already. So um, I got to actually take in what they said about it, um, get some of their, their insight, and uh, I'll pass all of that along to you lovely people. All right. So that's what was up. That's what's up now. And that was what's up next. So the regulars on Netflix, the nevers on HBO uh, Max in the United States and Crave in Canada and then Shadow and Bone, Shadow and Bone on Netflix globally. Uh, you'll be able to catch all of those shows. So in terms of film. Now, I, it's such an interesting time because I literally was like, I've always been like more obsessed with movies than I was with TV, but TV has become so sexy, so pervasive, so amazing in the amount of content and the type of content that is being delivered right now that like, I mean, it's hard for me to pick a movie to watch. Um, and like, we'll usually we'll sit down and just end up watching. Sometimes I actually just rewatch uh, television shows that I've already seen, like, Hence why I've seen Outlander five times. Like There are five seasons and at minimum I have seen each season at least once. And for the most part, I've probably seen it each season at least twice or three times. Um, it's it's my comfort TV. But just the other day, I rewatched Game of Thrones episode eight. We will. I'm actually going to have an episode where I talk about things, uh, shows um, that were that have already aired and ended um long before I started this podcast and I kind of wished I had a podcast at the time so I could have talked about it so I'm still going to talk about it cuz I mean content doesn't die it lives in streaming services forever um so we definitely are going to talk about game of thrones um and it's not going to be the opinion that you think that I have my opinion is probably unpopular but just the other day as part of my just like I just need, need to make myself feel better I rewatched season 8 and it did indeed make me feel better. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to film. Um, film has is 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 a little bit difficult for me right now. Like picking things that I want to watch uh, and that I'm getting excited about to see has been a little bit harder than it has been for TV. So these these movies were. Um, I was kind of like, hmm, maybe, I don't know. Well, eh, okay, let's try it. <laughs> so for the first film, what was up? So I've already seen this. I actually have already seen all three of these movies, but for my for my what was up pick, I chose Concrete Cowboys. Now this film stars Idris Elba. And I mean, do I need to actually even say more? Do I need to explain <laughs> why I wanted to watch this? Um, Concrete Cowboys is the real life story in almost 
told from a it's told from a theatrical perspective dramatic theatrical perspective but really is almost kind of like a docu style vibe to it because they used people from the area who are having this lived experience which makes it that much more authentic and those characters did a fantastic job of delivering and making you really believe um, that this was the life that they were living because it is the life that they were living. So they did a wonderful job. And um, so Concrete Cowboys showcases uh, how there are um, actual stables in the inner city of Philadelphia currently, and that this used to be something that was spread all throughout the inner city of of Philadelphia, but as gentrification has taken hold of the city, where these um, cowboys, concrete cowboys, can house their horses and live out this um, urban cowboy lifestyle, um, has started to dwindle and has been really greatly affected by those changes. But um, we meet Idris on the day that his son Caleb arrives, or the actor's name is Caleb. Chad, listen, oh no, I was right. It's the actor's name is Caleb. <laughs> Caleb McLaughlin plays Idris Elba's son. And you'll know Caleb from Stranger Things. If y'all don't watch Stranger Things, we can't be friends. Just quit this podcast right now. Like Stranger Things, I like dedicate a whole entire weekend to binging that show whenever a season drops. I am obsessed with Stranger Things. Um, and he, Caleb is all grown up now. It's wild to see how he has changed. But Caleb plays Cole, um, Idris Elba's son. Idris's uh, character, his name is Harp. And um, he comes to stay with his father for the summer and is introduced to this urban cowboy lifestyle. At first, he is definitely reluctant. He doesn't want to be a part of it. He's he's wants to go back to Detroit where he's from. And really, it's his own, you know, freaking disrespect and foolishness that has landed him in the situation of having to leave uh, where he's at um, with his mom and being sent off to Philadelphia to be with his father. Now, I mean, at any point in time, you would be completely like freaked out by his situation because when Cole arrives in Philadelphia at Harp's house, there is a horse in the living room. Child, listen, I would have seen that and be like, Lord have mercy, I'm gonna call my mama, get me up out of here. Why is there a horse in this house? Somebody tell me. Because you know, my first thought was like, it don't not smell no, it does not smell good in there. I know it smells like booty in there. Like that whole house smells like horse butt. <laughs> I know it does. Nobody can tell me differently. Like how do you live with a horse in your house? Horses are not meant, that's why they have barns. That's why they have stables. Like they're not meant to cohabitate with humans. Like, it's, it's not a thing. This is, this is not the outback. In any case, <laughs> I digress. I ran off on a tangent, y'all. Cole's not impressed and I wasn't either. But um, after some time, he begins to embrace the lifestyle of of being a concrete cowboy and really begins to learn some lessons and become a part of the community, which is struggling. And that struggle is, is made very evident. Um, we also have in this film, Lorraine Toussaint as Nessie, um, Method Man as uh, the sheriff of the area. He's from the area, but, um, and is now a part of the police force. So we already know about these contentious relationships, um, between police and the, and people within the inner city. And now he's on that side. So it's like divided loyalties a little bit. You have Jarrell Jerome as Smush, who kind of plays Cole's, um, you know, like 
road dog and friend, but he is like on the wrong side of the track, right? Like he's doing things that um, Harp, Idris's character, and uh, Nessie, Lorraine Toussaint's character, just don't approve of. They love him still, but they got to love him from a distance. And so they don't want um, Cole and Smush kind of getting together as long as, and hanging out and in having this friendship because they're afraid of what that would mean for Cole and um because I know what smush is all about um and it's it's just a very well done story it was it's it's so good it's very heart, heartfelt it's very heartwarming and and actually very interesting so I would definitely definitely recommend pressing play on con- on concrete cowboy um currently playing on Netflix so that was what was up so in terms of what's up now, last weekend decided to dig in and watch this show, this movie, science fiction based and stars, um, and stars my boy, Dylan O'Brien. So Dylan O'Brien plays a character by the name of Joel Dawson, and we meet him basically on the day that everything is going to hell in a handbasket because of radioactive insects and amphibians they have grown to monstrous sizes and have taken over the planet so much so that human beings have now been driven underground and are living in these underground colonies and are doing their very best to try and survive he is um has been separated from his love at the time and her name is amy and amy is played by jessica henwick you will recognize jessica from um, Iron Fist, she plays, uh, his girlfriend and she was also one of the sand snakes in, um, Game of Thrones. So, you know, there's another Game of Thrones tieback. I'm probably going to talk about Game of Thrones a lot. I'm going to mention Game of Thrones. Y'all should just get used to that. But in any case, uh, Jessica Henwick is the love that Dylan O'Brien is trying to get back to. Now it is after the introduction, once we dive into the part, um, into the second act, we have, Dylan's character, Joel, making this decision that he's going to travel above ground 85 miles to get to Amy's colony, which is pretty much an impossible feat because he is terrified of everything and he is not the guy that you want to like be by your side when stuff is going down. Not in the beginning, at least. He does change. He does become a different person. He does grow um, and, and turns into a, a, a badass uh, in his own right. But it does take some time and some hilarity does ensue. Um, the best and most interesting characters that we come across are Michael Roker as Clyde Dutton and Ariana Greenblatt as Minnow. They are a not father and daughter duo, but adult child duo who have managed to survive on the surface and they're heading to another colony um, where they believe that they're going to be safe and they encounter Joel as he has fallen into a trap of monsters and they save him (laughs) right before he can get himself eaten and uh and then they happen to teach him everything that they know over the course of time that they are together before they part ways and he goes on to continue to find Amy's colony. But those two characters are so interesting and so entertaining and so much fun, um, especially in how they deliver their brand, their special brand of expertise in surviving on the surface in a monster, um, monster occupied uh, world that is currently 
the state of the world that they are living in at the time. Um, Love and Monsters. It's actually really, really good. I would suggest you watch it. It's a lot of fun. Very entertaining. You will laugh. Not so much cry. Um, something's a little bit predictable. But as I said, that's, you know, that's par for the course for me right now. I just kind of expect that I'm going to be able to predict certain things to happen. But I would definitely encourage you to watch it. That's Love and Monsters. And it's currently global on Netflix. So that's what was up now. What is up next? And... As of today, as of right now, I've already seen this and um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. And that is Mortal Kombat 2021. Um, I, you know, okay, so I saw the trailer and I was like, ha ha, yeah, sign me up. Let's do this because can we talk about like being brought back to one's childhood? Like, I mean, we used to like sneak out and watch and play like video games and have these tournaments um, with our friends in high school and Mortal Kombat was the ish. Like this is this, that was our game of choice. And we um, like so much so that my best friend grew up with the, the nickname Chun-Li because her move was the spinning star kick. <laughs> Um, and we played games, um, we played those games all the time. And though I know Chun-Li is from Street Fighter, um, we played both Street Fighter and, um, and Mortal Kombat all the time. So I was all about watching this. And of course, if you saw the original or the older, um, Mortal Kombat that came out in the 90s, you know, this desperately needed a reboot. Like with the technology that we have, um, special effects advances, it just could have been done way better. And this was the time. And so Mortal Kombat 2021 stars uh, Hiroyuki Sanada as Scorpion, Ludi Lin as Liu Kang, Makad Brooks as Jax, Jessica um, McNamee, McNamee, I'm so sorry, I'm butchering your name, Sonya Blade, um, Joe Taslim as Sub-Zero, and my absolute favorite, like, no, like, just absolutely, like, when I saw him arrive in the trailer, I was just like, oh my god, I wanted to, like, turn into a whole, like, I became, like, a whole Jamaican and wanted to, like, gun salute and start beating down the walls, which is um, Asano as Lord Reagan, and he, Raiden, and he does a fantastic job. Uh, we also have Josh Lawson as Kano and Ning-Chi Han as Shang Su. I'm butchering these names. Like, I'm really much better at this <laughs> normally, but I'm like tearing these people's names apart. Um, so we're talking about about two hours, uh, just under two hour runtime of some gory fighting, great backstory, uh, science fiction fantasy mashup brilliance like it's just it's it's just a good time um do not come to this film thinking that you're going to get some sort of oscar worthy performance or even like compelling dialogue you're not getting that what you came here for was to see people beat each other up use lines from the game in real life quote unquote real life settings um and and just have a good old gory bloody time. That's what you came here for. If you came here for anything other than that, 
while watching Mortal Kombat 2021, you're in the wrong place. This is not what we're here for. So I don't want to hear people be like, oh my God, it was trash or there was no story. There was no, listen, that's not what you came here for. You came for special effects. You came for punches. You came for get over here. You came for finishing. You came for fatality. That's what you came for. And that's exactly what you're going to get. All right. <laughs> in, in that regard, it is, uh, it delivers on all aspects and I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I rented it. I didn't wait for it to be free because I was just kind of like, meh. I mean, there's so many things that I want to watch. And then I just like literally have been waiting for like Tenet and Wonder Woman 1984, uh, which are coming out in May on Crave in Canada. Yeah. Um, you know, so I was just like, you know, I'm just going to rent this because I've been waiting to see it. So I'm, I'm just going to watch it. And um, I definitely didn't disappoint. I, I wasn't disappointed. If I had gone to see this in the theater, I would have got exactly what I expected. And so overall, I definitely enjoyed it. So that is right now, Moral Combat 2021. In Canada, you can rent it. Actually, probably. Yeah. In Canada, you can rent it on Amazon Prime, Cineplex, Google, Apple, and I believe in the United States, it's actually streaming for the first 30 days with no additional cost to HBO Max users um, on HBO Max. If you guys can hear, that's my tummy. Goodness, what the heck? I gotta eat something. Stimulate. Um, but yeah, so that's Mortal, that's Mortal Kombat 2021. So that was what was up, what's up now, and what's up next for TV and movies. Next up, we have what's happening in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, what else? There was literally no other song that I could think of that would really capture the essence of what we're about to talk about about Hollywood, you know, you know, you know, Queen B. I do not own the rights to any of this music. Don't come for me. It is Oscars weekend and I have no dog in this fight. None, <laughs> none, none, none. Of the eight films that are currently nominated for Best Picture, I have seen one. That's actually like super disgraceful for me. And I'm probably not even going to watch the broadcast. And chances are most of you aren't going to watch it either because the ratings for the Oscars have been declining on a rapid pace over the last few years. Uh, you know, p diversity issues, hosts being terrible, and not to mention we are in the middle of a pandemic. So it's it's definitely changed. Things have been a little bit difficult for the golden guy, but... um yeah, I, 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 I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to be surprised no matter who wins, because guess what? Like I said, I've only seen one film in best, in the, in the best picture category. And that was Promising Young Woman. And that was a great movie. That movie is great. If you guys want to watch that, I would definitely suggest watching it. I think you can only rent it right now. Um, um, I was lucky to get it, uh, to be able to screen it as part of, part of a focus feature screening. And I, I highly recommend that movie. It was great. Super sarcastic female, um, female take on female anger. Like, um, 
let me say that again. Let me say that again. It's a, sarta- it's a sarcastic take on female anger. Um, but it doesn't end well. Like there is no happy ending here. Um, but I wasn't, I had no intention of going into a review for a promising young woman. Um, but I will just say definitely worth the watch. Definitely worth the watch. Uh, some hard lessons learned in that film. So yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about the Oscars, man. I, I, I like, I literally, I, no dog in this fight. Whoever wins, congratulations. I'm sure you, I'm sure it was well-earned and well-deserved. Onto something that I'm super actually very invested in, like super duper invested in, um, which is this. Amazon is currently producing two films, films, women, television shows that I'm like, when I say the excitement, it's excitement level 1783. That's how, how excited I am. Like so excited. One is called The Wheel of Time. It is an adapt. It's an also an adaptation. Almost everything I feel like these days is an adaptation, and it makes sense because when you adapt um, books to TV or to film, you have a built-in audience that comes along with that particular project, and it really does help, obviously, to secure box office sales as well as to re- secure streaming clicks um, when you do that, right? But these two particular adaptations are of books by authors who I cherish, like just love them. So The Wheel of Time is by Robert um, Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson. Um, and it is a gargantuan effort. It is a 14 book series. And when I first read those books, I um, said to myself, holy crap, like, this would be the perfect television show because there are so many books. You you literally would have two decades of almost two decades of of of, of material to choose from, and so many so many characters. Holy moly, holy holy moly! Like so many characters. Um, built in diversity. They don't have to do diverse casting for this for this particular um show, even though they have. Um, but diversity was built in they had it was the first time that i ever read of uh, a fantasy novel oh yes the genre is fantasy um and high fantasy at that uh it's the first time i read a fantasy novel that had a black female character in it who had her own power and her own strength she's actually a queen um an empress to be more uh, specific um her people are nuts and the land she rules and their beliefs are crazy but that she gets it together. She gets it together. Um, um, and so I really, really resonated with that. Um, and it's just a great story, just a huge world and a great story. So Amazon is currently in production on the wheel of time book one, the eye of the world. Um, and I'm like, I'm literally like, I can't, I can't, I screamed when I heard that they were doing this. I literally jumped up and down and screamed. I was working. I was at work and I did that excitement level 7,000. Um, then we have the Lord of the Rings. So when the, like, I could talk about the Lord of the Rings forever and a day. Like I was introduced to Tolkien as an adult because I didn't have to read the Hobbit in school. And so when I heard about the Hobbit and I heard about the Lord of the Rings, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I was working, I was home from school and I was uh, back in Toronto for the summer and uh, talking about movies because, I mean, this has been a thing for me for years and years and years and years. And my co-worker at the time was like, oh, well, have you heard about The Lord of the Rings? Um, Peter Jackson is um, currently 
in production on Tolkien's masterpiece. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Who's Tolkien? And she was like, she looked like I had stabbed her, which is now the way I look at people when they tell me that they've never seen the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, oh my, how the tides have turned. But um, she said to me, she actually showed me um, stills from the production. I saw Aragorn's sword and that was it. I had I was transported back to my Conan the Barbarian days, you know, Short out, shout out to Arnie as Conan. Um, and I was like, I'm in. I, I, what? And so she was like, yeah, you should read the books. So that's what I did. I started with The Hobbit and then I moved on to The Lord of the Rings and read all three books and then started reading The Unfinished Tales and also reading The Silmarillion. And Tolkien quickly replaced um, Anne Rice as my favorite author. Uh, sorry, Anne, still love you. And I'm still waiting on Interview with the Vampire, the television show. Um, but literally took over, like without question. When the Lord of the Rings films dropped, I watched every single one. I went every year and it is now part of my Christmas tradition where I watch the Lord of the Rings every single year at Christmas. I watch the entire trilogy, um, including The Hobbit, but I really kind of focus on the, the first three films and, um, and just immerse myself into the world of Middle Earth over and over and over and over again. But the tea out of Hollywood is this, y'all. Amazon has spent $450 million on this production. $450 million, okay? It is now the most expensive television show in history. And it was already expensive because it cost them a good quarter of a million, uh, yeah, about quarter of a billion or something like that to even obtain the rights um, from the Tolkien estate in order to produce this work. So the fact that they are throwing this kind of money at that, at this project is like mind blowing. They, they clearly believe in the property and, um, I, I, I expect nothing but greatness to come from it. Like literally nothing. I'm very, very excited about the project. Um, and they are currently in production on it in New Zealand. And so, yeah, like I just, I, I'm, I'm so geeked. I will probably, Watch and rewatch and watch and rewatch and watch and rewatch <laughs> over and over again. But also just to let you know a little bit about that story, uh, it's not going to be the same world that we had already been introduced to in the previous Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit films. Um, they are taking canon. So they're, it's built in the universe, but they're taking characters from other stories, uh, such as I believe we're focusing on the Unfinished Tales um, and or the Silmarillion, one of the two, all novels by... Um, by Tolkien. So it's his world, but we're going to meet some new characters and it's going to be fantastic. Absolutely amazing. Um, on to something that is a little more somber um, and a little bit sad. Um, not even a little bit sad, a lot sad. Uh, Hollywood is currently mourning the loss of Helen McQuarrie, who played Narcissa Malfoy in Harry Potter. And she also appeared in Ple Peaky Blinders and was absolutely amazing as Madame Colley in Penny Dreadful. Um, she recently passed away at 52 years old um, from her bout uh, of her struggles with cancer. And, um, she was married to Damien Lewis, which I actually didn't know. I absolutely love Damien Lewis. Um, big fan of him in Homeland as well as him, Band of Brothers, and as well as him in currently in Billions. He's that guy. Um, 
he's that guy in billions love Damien Lewis and but just I'm super sad for his loss and we just want to just let uh you know her fans and her family know that we are thinking of them at this time because we know that has to be really really hard to lose a, um you know a wife and a mother and a friend and all the things that she has been and she's just she was such a talent so you know definitely gone too soon and we're sad about that so you know rest in peace Helen McCrory so that is what's happening in Hollywood now considering the very somber note that we ended that segment on I think it might be all right if we introduced a little bit of levity and we're gonna do that with a segment called Twitter me laughing So one of the things I absolutely really love to do while watching a television show is to incorporate um, scrolling through the Twitter hashtags while I'm watching. Now, you definitely don't want to do that when you are too soon in a show because, you know, these people, they will spoil some stuff for you. They will they will drop some bombs. They will they will let the plot points and the plot twists out the bag and you will be sitting there like oh damn like come on I didn't I wasn't ready to know that yet man and it happens so you want to be careful but also what you will find is that these people are hilariously out of pocket uh careful what you tweet because I tell you some fandoms will find you I have been found by fandoms like constantly just because of tweeting um about the shows that I'm watching but it is always um a really good time and a lot of fun so I just wanted to share with you some of the tweets that I have read um, but from, from the hashtags, um, of the shows that I've been watching. So we'll start with the irregulars. Lacey, host of That's Probably Lit at Reach Writer tweeted, I described hashtag the irregulars as just another grab bag of tired young adult tropes mashed up with characters borrowed from pub popular public domain properties. And I'm not sorry. Side eye at Enola also. Yeesh, Lacey. Harsh much? I mean, like, it was fun at least. And, you know, I liked Enola. It's a good movie. Anyway, then we have out of context Chantel at it me underscore Chantel tweeted a hundred percent did not expect the last episode of at Netflix's hashtag irregulars, the irregulars to rip my soul into pieces. But here we are. The audacity to score with Billie Eilish's when the party's over, no less <laughs> crying emoji and then we have a e m m i'm saying i'm assuming that's aim at vix strav tweeted i'm convinced that jenny hashtag outlander and amalia hashtag the nevers are the same person argue with the wall not argue with the wall sis <laughs> they're both badass stubborn and caring amalia can see glimpses of the future jenny rubs shoulders with people who travel in time Joking, of course, but a woman can dream. Yes, we can dream because I'm actually not mad at that comparison and Loki kind of feel like that might be the case. Like, you know, I feel like Jenny could totally have like moved to London and changed her name and become Amalia, you know, save something tragic could happen to Ian. And then, okay, I'm on a tangent. Let me, let me gather myself. Let me gather myself. <laughs> but uh, y'all know what this means. We're at the end. We have come to the end of the podcast episode. And I cannot believe that y'all have made it. If you are still here, thank you so much. This was so much fun. It was a little bit 
like anxiety inducing <laughs> at the beginning because you know first time first episode first everything and I just wanted it to be right I wanted you guys to love it and I hope that you did and more importantly I hope you guys come back for more tell a friend and tell a friend and tell a friend so this was the first episode of Obsessible the podcast a Rosebud Entertainment production and I am your host Nicole thanks for listening bye besties <laughs>